I, uh, two months ago, we did a series called Faith Essentials. Look at these key things that God wants to implement for us to grow personally. He wants us to personally individualize these things and push play on them in our lives. And, and it comes from God's desire to help us discover him. He, he pushes play up until this point, and he wants you to discover him as your Savior. And then from that line, that big decision that everyone has to make, what they do with Jesus Christ, he wants us to discover Jesus at that point and then go be Jesus. And, and there's these things we said, listen, we, we just, we dug in the Bible, we, we cut away all the fray, we cut away all the church stuff, we cut away all the ignorance, and we said, listen, these are the things that will help you discover Jesus these will, are the things that will help you continue to discover more about Jesus. And these are the things that will help you go be Jesus. And we gave these five things. We, we said investing, our, investing and inviting, that's just investing in relationships and inviting them into an environment to encounter Jesus Christ. You can do that every Sunday at LifePoint. You can do it at different, in a small group venue. But, but invest and invite. We said to impact your world. And that's for you and I to go into the world that God has placed us in, the cubicle, the factory, the classroom, the office, the, 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 the area, you know, the common area, the roll call area, and, and be Jesus Christ. Serving them, loving people, meeting needs, being Jesus, just, just being Jesus. We, we also said uh, to the, 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 one of those things is feeding yourself that this is not enough. You've got to take that time. We're going to see this again today. You've got to take that moment where you, where you personally open the Bible, where you personally listen to the Bible, where you personally talk to God, and where, you know, part of that, we're going to see this teaching piece of these disciplines. You're going to, you're going to love this series, I hope, that, that it's also this environment is a part of that. But, but feeding yourself is a personal responsibility, and I think in a culture, especially that's Southern and church, we kind of lull ourselves to sleep and we excuse ourselves that we're not Bible people, we're not prayer people, and we just kind of excuse it and, and we kind of go with that, but we're, we're, we're going to catch a different view of that. We also said that, that God wants us to give biblically, that he begins with the tithe and continues from there, that that's for Christ followers, every Christ follower, and that we would multiply the mission, and this is where we actually personally and collectively come together as a body, as a church, as the bride of Jesus Christ, the, the Bible gives us word picture as a bride, and that we go into the world, we go into every borough, and I and this is this is kind of what's fed this for me. We look at this and we say, what's holding us back, or what's moving us forward, or what, what's a key area? Because so many times people stand on the stage and they sing and they put stuff on the screen, and and they hope that you get it, and they don't spell it out because they're afraid to. Uh, offends you, and I have that same struggle, believe it or not, I have that struggle personally, or I assume things because this is my world, that that's your world too, and and I, I want you to understand that we come together to multiply the mission. So today we're kicking off this thing called mutate, not mutant. There's a lot of Christ followers that act like mutants, you know, they're, they're quick to moan, they attack, they drain the life out of everyone around them. You know, but it's cool because they're always right, and that's what really matters, right? I mean, it just matters to be right. And that, I was really laying it on thick there. If you, if you don't understand my sense of humor, like I was being a smart aleck right there. It's not 
our responsibility. It's not God's desire for us to be spiritual mutants, but to be mutated. I want you to see where this verse came from. It's, it's actually Romans 12.1. It begins here. It says, uh, maybe, no, yes. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not, be, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be mutated by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, man, this is awesome, pleasing and perfect will. Now, these verses for me have always been browbeat. They've always talked about, you know, the living sacrifice and staying on the altar. And that's awesome. That's a heavy piece of it. It's an awesome piece. But they forget that it's, that, it, that it's in this mindset of becoming something new, becoming something different, becoming something more to be changed. I mean, this series, Mutation, was born out of change because I actually had another series of mine. We laid the series out this year, or this for the past five months. I had another series I wanted to do today. I mean, a completely different series. And and the more I worked on it, the more I dug in it, the more that I could see that that everything that God's trying to do for the past three months and and the hurdles he's allowed us to do and this big, amazing fall that he's leading us into, that that we needed to change, we needed to morph, we needed to be, uh, we needed to mutate another series. And, And it frustrated me because I had my mindset and I knew where I was headed. And so I was like, all right, so... All right, God, let's do this thing. Because I, what I want you to do is, is to flip this. Faith essentials, we covered this in June. Faith essentials is, is you looking out. Okay, God, I want to make a difference. I'm looking for peace. This is all about me. This is all about me making a difference. This is all about my gig. This is all about my gifting. But as we do mute, you mutate, it's about God's perspective. And seeing some of the key things that he wants to utilize to help us to change. And I'm telling you, man, this is changing my life. This this is changing my life personally. Because like you, most of you, I feel like it's never enough what I do spiritually. I feel like it's never enough what I give, how I serve, how many hours I put in. And I know if I feel like that, that you probably feel like that too. And so I wanted to look at this thing from God's perspective that he uses to grow us, change us, utilize us, and even why he does that. That was the biggie for me. And, and I would say personally, this is my personal opinion, that you can you could add to what we're going to look at in August. You can add to the compilation. But, I would, but my opinion is that you cannot subtract from that. And we've got so much background. I've got to give you so much background information because we've got four weeks to cover this. But I want you to know that one statement plus one mutation catalyst that we're going to look at today equals Applebee's before the Baptist and Methodist. Okay, I just want you to know that. We're not going to be here all day. But from God's perspective, this big lens, I want you to know this, this big lens is, is over our lives is for atheists, capitalists, enthusiasts, theists, Christ followers, Buddhists, Muslims, and here is what, here's the big thing. This is It's going to be so simple, but I hope that it changes your walk with God forever. Here's the deal. You ready? God is trying to teach me trust. 
Aren't you glad you got out of bed for that? God is trying to teach me trust. Have you ever met somebody that no matter what comes their way, they are like God is in control? Now, I'm not talking about divine Daisy in denial. I'm not talking about her. I'm not talking about, praise the Lord, Paul, who lives in a bubble. We're talking, you know, we're talking bubble boy believer, not bubble boy believer. I'm talking about a person that engages, that lives in the world you do, that has the problems you do, that has the struggles you do, but it doesn't seem to phase them. You know anybody like that? We usually think of older people. You know, they've lost their estrogen and testosterone-making abilities, so, you know, they have no drive or emotions. But no, man, I'm talking about people. I'm talking about the people that things happen in their life that rocks your faith but not their faith. It should destroy them, but it bothers you. It should sidetrack them, but it sidetracks you. I'm talking about that person. Does anybody know anybody like that? I know some people like I'm talking about not just Bible quoters, not just in-your-face preachers. I'm talking about this person that loves, and you're like, how in the world could they still continue to follow God with all the junk going on in their lives? You just raised your hand and you said you know those people, and I do too, and it's amazing. Isn't it amazing to watch those people operate? I love seeing them. I love being around them. I love love being in their sphere. I feel better being around those people. Here's what I want you to know. God wants to develop your faith to where you're that kind of person. See, because when I think about those people, I think I could never be one of those people I look at my life, I look at what sidetracks me, and I think, good night, I could never be like them. But God wants me to be like them. God says it is possible for you to be that kind of person of faith. God says, listen, I want you, when it's all stripped away, to be a person of trust. And God, this is, the, this is such a cool piece. God is not asking, can I trust you? Because that's when we begin to feel shame. God is saying, will you trust me? And you're going to have times that are easy. You're going to have times that are difficult. God's just straightforward with that. There's going to be high emotion times. There's going to be times of emotional dormancy. I'm talking about summer, no rain. I'm talking about one of those times. Through all of it, God is looking in our hearts and trying to build a faith. Faith is like a muscle. And we always make this really cloudy. And we always make this really weird. But think about this. Think about this perspective. Think about your life up until Jesus Christ. And this is what we get messed up on because we have this definition of God that's different. And and we we forget that we live in this brokenness, this broken body, broken world. So we see everything up to Jesus Christ as like, oh, man, you know, I lost this person. I lost this marriage. I lost this relationship. This bad thing happened. I collapsed financially. And then, boom. We discover Jesus Christ, and we're so grateful for all of that stuff because we have found Jesus Christ. And some of you are right on that right on that mark, man. You're ready to trust Christ today. But what we forget is after that, it's still life. We think things are going to be perfect. We think things are going to be great. We've scripted it. We've blueprinted it. We hand our blueprint to God. It never works this way, so we live frustrated. We live feeling bad. We live thinking that we're not the person that God loves. We are the Cinderella in God's story of redemption. You know, let's keep, let's keep Jamie hidden in the closet with his ratty, ratty clothes because he's my spiritual Cinderella. 
But I want you to know today that God wants to build your faith. So when people look at you, they're like, man, you go through the same things I do, but you go through it different. You, you just seem to trust Christ. You seem to trust God. How do you do that? And, and in your mind, you may not know what to say, but you'll think back to experiences where God built your faith because faith is built like a muscle. I want you to see this in Matthew 8. This is mind-boggling. Matthew chapter 8, and, and I want you to look, begin looking at, at it with verse 5 with me, okay? Matthew chapter 8, if I can find it, right? Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion, an enemy of the Jews, a person that Jews despised, a person, if they were in church, they would look and see, oh my goodness, it's a centurion. <laughs> you know, a centurion could come up to a Jew at any time and say, I want you to carry my briefcase for a mile. And Jesus said, go two miles with them. Why? That's weird. That's just weird. They could come in. They could check your house. You could be having a party. They could come in. They could rush everybody out. They could put them in prison. They could tax them until they left jail. I mean, they had a lot of power. They were the Roman elite, and they were placed over. They, they were the Roman elite soldiers placed over, these, placed over the people. So here comes the centurion. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed with terrible suffering. Jesus said, hey, I'll go and heal him. Let's go. Let's go do this thing. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For my, I myself am a man under authority and soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished. Now, you don't see this a lot with Jesus. I mean, I'm talking about the dude that walked on the water, rose people from the dead, turned water into wine. Everybody's favorite miracle, water to wine. I wish you would come to my party, right? He was astonished. And he said to those following them, I tell you the truth, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. It would be like saying to a bunch of people whose grandfathers and great-grandfathers and great-great-grandfathers and their uncles and their brothers, and they themselves were pastors. And Jesus looks at them and says, you know, I've never seen anybody with this much faith. He didn't look at them and say that. I mean, this is kind of insulting. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God, but the subject of the kingdom... uh, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go. It will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at this very hour. Now this authority piece, we're not even getting into that, but there's this, this, this thing just makes faith real to me that, that we go in Jesus' name because faith is like, Oh, Lord, can I feel it? Can I feel it? You know, and i got to get jazzed up for faith. I'm, I'm going to be faith-filled, and I'm going to, woo, I'm going to jump off this cliff kind of thing. The centurion comes up. He says, hey, can you heal my servant? He said, let's go do it. He goes, no, 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 listen, man. I understand authority. You have the ability to speak it, and because you're over everything, they have to do what you say. Because that's the way my job is. I mean, I'm a centurion. When I tell my soldiers, go, they represent me. So when I go stand on, say, stand on that corner, they are representing me. And ultimately, they are representing Caesar. And ultimately, they are representing Rome. So you just say it. 
And it's just this amazing thing because Jesus reveals that he is who he represents. I and the Father are one. They're just like these little tucked away things. Faith not works impressed Jesus, but the faith motivated people to do the works. Jesus is not impressed. He didn't say, listen, I've never seen so great a faith. You took the greatest offering. You gave the greatest sacrifice. You served at the rescue mission. You served in the nursery. I mean, the ultimate act of faith. I mean, come on. He said, listen, you know, the ultimate act of, of works. That's what we think when we're performing. And that God says, listen, this is what blows me away. Faith blows me away. Great faith blows me away. And what I want to develop in you, God is saying, is great faith. Great faith that whenever you go through anything, you continue to trust him. And this is, reveals the heart of God, that this thing is all about relationship. Everything is motivated by relationship. Every, every discipline, every, every thought, every, I mean the five essentials, they're motivated by relationship. And it is so easy to forget because the first crossword, the first unpaid bill, the first personal struggle, the first health crisis We want to bail. And God says, listen, I'm trying to build your faith. This Roman centurion, we don't even know if he's a Christ follower. He probably may have been. Got it. The 12 disciples didn't. He understood that you act by faith from who you represent. That's what he did in his life. You act by faith from from that relationship. So in his mind, he represented Rome. In his mind, he represented Caesar. So he just like, it wasn't that he was like, hey, look at me. There were soldiers that were more powerful than him, that were greater warriors than him. But he had the authority because it was based on faith. And God says, listen, I want to build this great faith in your life where you move in my authority. Where you move in a relationship with me. Where we do things together. You know, from the Old Testament to the New, the message is trusting God for a relationship. If you're here at this early service, God bless you for getting up early. God wants you to know the primary thing in his, on his agenda is that you discover Jesus Christ died and rose again and that you discover a personal relationship with him. And that from that moment, you begin to walk. And that's why Jesus was like, you look at him, you're like, this is the worst sales technique ever. You tell people to take up your cross. You tell people to die. You tell them to do all of that. But here's what God knows. God knows from the moment you accept Christ, is a faith decision, and that you continue in that decision until the day you see him by faith. He knows that hard times are going to come. He knows that bad times are going to come, and he wants ultimate surrender. That's why he's always honest, even though it's offensive sometimes. And from that moment, God wants you to teach you to trust him after you accept him, as you journey with him. When you trust him, he rewards your faith, not the way you want it, Never in the time frame that you want it. At least that's been my experience. Usually not when you want it, but your trust moves God to action in your life. Your faith moves God to action. Now, here's what we do. We've painted this as a, a candy dispenser. We've painted this as, what can I get from God? And this is why that when you do begin to get things from God and it becomes that, your faith becomes empty and you got to dial back because this whole thing is about learning to trust God, not just what we can get from him. There's a verse in Proverbs that, that the insinuation is success, not hard times, determines the real character. 
And that principle applies to faith, too. Because it's not hard to trust God when your husband's laying dying of cancer. It's not hard to trust God when your baby is sick because you are wanting God. You are begging God to help. But when everything's cool, when everything's good, and it's not that God just gives hard times so you'll trust him. God uses everything. He's looking down from from 50,000 feet. He's looking down, and he's wanting to build your faith. He's wanting to exercise your faith. Because he has set the precedence of the key is trust me. I want you to say this with me. God is trying to teach me to do what? Trust him. Say it again together. God is trying to teach me to trust him. And so as we kick off this series, looking at, at individually what we have to do to build a relationship with God together, to build a relationship with God on our own. You entrust him, you trust him, and he does things to build that trust. Some are fun, some are not fun, some are strenuous, some are not. We're going to see this in just a moment, how it works. I'm going to give you, give you a, a, an example that I hope that you'll understand that doesn't seem boastful, but just from my story. I asked our staff, I said, why do you think some people never seem to engage? And, you know, this is our world life point. Why do you think some people never seem to engage? Why do some people, you know, they always have the same struggle at the same level, relationally, whatever, okay? Why do you think, I just asked them this, I said, why do you think after certain times that the attendance just wanes? And I'm just, and this is just the measuring stick that we have. Why do you think sometimes people just come, you know, people got to work, got vacation, we're talking about that. Talking about people that are in town, this is their church home. We're talking about our people, not the people we haven't reached yet. Why do you think some of them don't engage? And I wasn't looking for affirmation at all. I was looking for evaluation. And I always start with myself. Because I used to think, man, if I speak about this, I would watch the trends. If I spoke about something heavy, if I spoke about something draining, if I spoke about facing reality, you could almost watch. And you can watch in a series when things are difficult, things will dip at certain times. It's amazing to watch. It's like bar. It's amazing tracking it. And I said, do you think it's delivery, the things I say? Because if, it's, if it is, I want to change that. And they in unison said, we don't think it has anything to do with that. And I assure them, I'm not looking for affirmation that, you know, we're knights of the round table. We're laying it all on the table. They said, we just don't think people, people embraced it. They never let it become personal. And I can relate to that. And it made me see that people that run, they, they, they didn't even think it was because, they, they said, we don't think it's because people were convicted. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to take that. Is that good or bad? We think it's because they just never engage. They haven't taken it personal. It just happened to be the Sunday that they decided to come. Because you're looking at building faith and, you know, being a part of that. And I thought, man, I can relate. Because there's areas I keep God at bay. And this whole faith thing, to be honest, takes my breath away the way I'm wired. I'm wired. Feel, I've got the hard, weirdest hardwiring personally. I am a feeler who is very pragmatic. I, I'm a very acts, the book of acts, emotion, and look at, whoa, look at all this crazy stuff God's doing. But I'm also a guy that walks in Proverbs and says, you know, we can't live on emotion alone. And so in trying to balance that faith 
takes my breath away a lot of times. And, and you think about this, these, these private disciplines that we're going to look at. Discipline is a tough word. I'll be honest with you, I don't know about you, but I like discipline in areas that I'm good at. It's easy to speak about. I've noticed that. I don't, I don't know. God's just doing something to me as a, as a leader. I, I've been watching, like, some of the guys and listening to different pastors, and I watch some of these guys on TV, right? And I thought, God, help me not to do this because I know that we tend to. We can't help it. But something that's a strength of ours, it's real easy to talk about. We preach about it real passionately. We give it real emphatically. And we don't usually give it with a lot of mercy. But things that we're weak on, you know, pastors, a lot of times they'll create all this, these whirlwinds, you know, big word developments and big backgrounds. And, they're, and sometimes they're just avoiding what they don't feel comfortable with in their own lives. And so I begin to say, God, don't let me do that. Because the spirit that you speak in when you're like that, you know, people say this to me, you don't really preach at people, you, you preach to them. And I take that as a compliment. Because I look at myself as a broken vessel, totally valueless without the love of God in my life. But I'm still human. I still have areas that faith is easy for me, and I have areas that faith is not easy for me. But discipline is this tough word. And so sometimes with faith things, we spiritualize. It's amazing, our lack of faith and discipline. God spoke to me. God told me. I did this, and it's like, good grief, it's, it's in the Bible. But it's, here's the weird thing about discipline. See if you can relate to this. There's certain things, like when, when you start out doing things, they are not fun. If you start out eating right, not fun. If you start out exercising, not fun. If you start out, you know, committing to discipline spiritually or mentally or conversations, you know, stuff that maybe you just are an introvert and you're, and you're you're building, you want to build a discipline to connect with your spouse. It is uncomfortable. It feels awkward. But if you ever notice this, and I've had this only in a few things in my life, that when you begin to build discipline, though, sometimes that disciplinary thing becomes a passion. And then sometimes it almost becomes an addiction, a healthy thing, not a bad thing. I looked, and my, my personal thing was weightlifting. My dad was, was, a, was a thin guy, nice looking, you know, could eat anything, never gain a pound. The dude, well, he's 67 years old. He weighs a buck 60, buck 50, all right? My right leg weighs 150 pounds, okay? My dad was, I, my dad was always on me about exercise. I had no interest in it, none. Tried different sports, wasn't that great at it. Just to be honest, wasn't great at basketball, could play basketball, wasn't great at it, could play football, wasn't great at it, could play baseball, wasn't great at it. Tried shot put, was embarrassed by it, you know. But then after I lost a bunch of weight as a teenager, way too much, I started trying to build muscle, started working out. Started out with three exercises just to build some tone in my life. I'd lost like 30 pounds, and I really had had anorexia, and God, you know, I was trying to come out of that, so I was just trying to be healthy, and, you know, I went from overweight to anorexia to trying to be healthy. Well, something happened when I began to lift weights. In the old days, they called it being bit by the iron bug. 
And it was one of those things that I took to really quick and I made really fast gains in. I began building a foundation for a year. My dad would not let me lift heavy until I hit puberty. And when I hit puberty, he took the reins off and said, go nuts. And I made incredible gains. If I would have known some of the things I had now, you know, they, they're just, they're, that world wasn't big back then. You were still weird if you worked out and all that kind of stuff. But it became a passion that 27 years later I still do. I still love. I am. With three kids, the other night at, at midnight, not midnight, but at 10 o'clock, our day was just that way. I was downstairs doing bench presses, and my wife come and talk to me just, just so I didn't miss the workout. I just love doing it. She likes to work out, too, so we have that in common. And sometimes disciplines will become a passion. They're not, they, and I want you to know this. If Bible reading is not fun for you, don't worry about that in the beginning. If prayer is extremely awkward... If reaching out, of investing and inviting, all those things are awkward, that's normal. Stick with it. But I want you to know that this, this building trust thing, God is all about. Personal discipline. Diving into this, i got to be honest, this series has challenged me, convicted me, motivated me, and begun to literally change my life. And I cannot explain how simple it is. It's almost like in April when I had my health issues that I started over again. It's really strange. And to see that God wants to build trust, it just set me free from all of this junk. It's like, okay, so all of these things happening in my life and all these choices I have to make and all the good and all the bad are to build my trust in you, not to, not to make me perform more so you would love me more, but to build my trust in you. I mean, a relationship that's heavy in trust is a fun relationship to be in. I don't worry about my wife when she travels to a conference because, because I trust her. My wife doesn't worry about me working with women and interacting with so many women because she trusts me. And we take careful, careful, careful planning to build that trust. It's one of the keystones of our relationship. We don't have a perfect relationship. We are not perfect people, but we have both committed to building the trust of the other. I want you to see this with personal disciplines. I'm not going to read all the verses because of time. We've got to go. And I want to give you these, but I want you to see the personal, the, 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 the personal engraving. Put your initials before each verse. This is you. This is me. Matthew 6. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness to be seen of men. That's what the verse 1 says. Look at verse 5. And when you pray, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. When you pray, verse 6, go into your room. Close the door. Pray to your Father who is unseen. Look at this with me. That your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Look at verse 16. When you fast, don't look somber. Don't be Zoolander. What are you doing? Fasting. Spiritual. Wash your face. Smile when you do these things. It's this personalized thing. I wish that, that he would, rather than, you know, he rather than saying, like, do personal discipline, I wish he would say, if you love me, you will overeat. 
I wish you would say that. I mean, if you love me, you would eat brisket and biscuits every day. If you love me, right, you would eat cake morning, noon, and night. But he says, if you, you know, when you do these things, he's building personal discipline in our lives. Personal discipline has always been around for me, my teaching, my background, what I couldn't do, what I couldn't accomplish, what I didn't add up to, that sacrifice of God, but it's taking on this whole thing now that, that, that I realize once again, or maybe afresh, or maybe for the first time, that God is doing this to build my trust in him. That God says, I want you to do personal disciplines to build your trust in me. We look at this prayer thing. I mean, prayer, this, this individual getting alone and opening up every area of my life. We're, ta- we're, ta- we're talking about prayer. It represents your time. I'm talking about confession, repenting, sharing. I'm talking about turning from this morning. I just had to turn from some things. I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I just get dirty walking through the world, man. I get dirty in this life, and I struggle with different things. It's like sometimes you got to turn back and say, God, I'm so sorry for this. Please forgive me. Please help me as I turn from this. Repenting, confessing. Sharing, talking. Prayer is not about information. To transform God. God, listen. Let me let me show you this. God, uh, listen. Uh, okay, I, I lusted. Um, I, I took some money I shouldn't have. I and I'm thinking in my mind, if I can confess all this, then God will bless me over here, and I can get this. Like we're trying to change His mind. Okay, God. Now, now listen, man. You love people, I love people, let's do this together, and, and let me kind of finagle my, my retirement plan in there with you. God wants to transform you. God doesn't need transformed, right? I mean, he's God. He never changes. He doesn't need transformed. He wants to transform you and I. And he does it as you and I talk to God, because this, this chapter says God knows whether he's going to answer your prayer. God knows what he's going to do with your prayer. Then why in the world pray? Because God wants to mutate you. And one of the greatest ways he can do that is prayer. Designated time. This is what's convicted me. And making this not just prayer on the go. Doesn't mean you can't pray in your car, doesn't pray driving. We're not going to put all the stipulations on that. The issue was when you get alone with God, getting in that closet, you close the door. There's no fanfare. There's nobody you got impressed with your big Bible words or thou and thee. Thou heavenly father of the highest and thou God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You got to know, listen, I want you to get in there. I want you to talk to me. I want you to tell me what's going on in your life. I want you to tell me what's breaking your heart. I want you to release care to me. I want you to ask me for things. I want you to praise me for things. I want you to confess things to me. I want you to get real deal. Nobody's around. It's just me and you. You don't have to look outside to who's listening in to hold something against you. I want you to talk to me. This is powerful. Verse 1 through 7. Let me, let me show you this. Um, so look at verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do. When you give, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Verse 3. Verse 4. So you're that your giving may be in secret, then your Father who sees that done in secret will reward you. This is called almsgiving. Here's the big context. People on their way to the temple, at the temple, picture it being life point before you, know, before you started the church. You're on the way to the temple. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna encounter a God environment. When you get there, there's gonna, you're going to tithe. So just understood you, these people grew up tithing. 
Most Jews gave between 10 and 20% of their income. So they grew up tithing. They didn't even think anything about it. This wasn't even talking about tithing. This was, that tithing's an understood you to these people. Jesus said, when you alms give, when you're coming through and people are begging and people are asking for things, this is your service financially, don't be like, yes, I will give you a 20 poor person. Yes, here's a gift card to Applebee's. Praise the Lord, you know, and you walk through. God said, don't do that. Personalize this thing. It's a personal discipline. It's in the context. Read the Bible. Read the history. It's in the context of tithing. It's not way, hey, should I give to United Way or the Hurricane Fund or tithe? No, no, no. God says, listen, I want you to trust me. This is talking about trusting me with your control. Cash is about control. Cash is about, we earn it, we spend it, we worry about it, we we lament over it. And God says, I want reward recognition. I want you to say every week or every pay period, you are in charge. I want you to tithe. And then I want you to make a difference in this world with your abilities, with your cash. I want want this to be personal with you and I. I don't want you just to be an emotional giver. The, The issue is consistency. They met in the temple weekly at the Sabbath. I want this to be a consistency issue in your life. Because this represents control of your life. And what is God trying to build in our lives? You tell me he's trying to build trust. He's trying to build trust. And when you do that, he says, I'm going to reward you. He doesn't say what the reward is. He does in Malachi 3 give some of the rewards of the almsgiving and the tithing. He does. But Jesus knew this would be the, the thing for most of us. I think that's personally why I talked about money more than anything, because this is the greatest struggle people have. Everybody amens at Bible study and prayer. Some people amen at fasting that, that don't mind missing a meal or two. It is tough to, to amen tithing. Because it represents everything. It's so personal. If you notice, we didn't start reading where Jesus began speaking. We started with prayer. Jesus began with cash. All churches want are my money. I want to be honest with you. God doesn't care about your money. Let me prove it to you. You don't take it with you when you go. You don't take it with you when you go. If God cared about your money, he would say, listen, I want you to get saved, save as much as you can. Then when you die, carry this on a boat up to me because we need to fill up the heavenly coffers. doesn't say that. It has nothing to do with money. It has to do with you and I being built by faith, giving. Know this. If you're not a Christ follower, just turn off, go to sleep, think about the game later, whatever. If you're a Christ follower, tithing is about faith, not about your, your, your budget balancing. It's not about your advanced planning. It's not about picking your credit card statement or what the government takes out in taxes. And this is so difficult, but tithing is about faith. And God says, I want you to trust me. See, we say, God wants you to trust him with your money. We're thinking, okay, if I give, God bless me. No, no, God wants you to trust him. And he's going to use prayer. He's going to use this whole month to look at that. And we're going to look at that. God's going to use giving to build your trust in him. He doesn't care. He's going to reward. He just he made this thing like, okay, you do this, I do this. But that's not the issue with God. That's the issue for me and you. God says, I want you to trust. 
We saw fasting. I'm so convicted about this that I'm not even going to layman on it. Thank God we don't have the time. It represents my need for God. And then another passage in, in the context, it represents the Bible. To ingest, listen to, read the Bible. It represents my teachability. My teachability and trust. Most of us are afraid of what we're going to encounter in the Bible. I am. God wants to do more than convict you. He wants to build you. He wants to heal you. I know why. This is why we run. We run because we're afraid of what he's going to reveal that we got to give up. That is not God's mentality. God wants to get you and I to trust him. And when you open that Bible, you say, I don't have all the answers. And I'm doing this more than to just get you to get me to give things. I need you. God says, I can bless you. Most people don't want to stay the same. Most people want to make better decisions. Most people aren't like, hey, do you want to make better decisions? Nope, I want to be stupid my whole life. Keep making the same mistakes. It's awesome. I love making the same relational mistakes. I love making the same financial mistakes. I love making the same bad career choices. But for every one of us, from this line of faith, don't even pay attention if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ. Don't even listen to this. Just back here. But from this moment forward, God wants to build your trust in him. And he uses the most uncomfortable areas, not just to convict you, not just to make you feel bad. That's not God's ultimate goal. God's ultimate goal is to build your life, build your trust in him. Build your relationship with him. That's his ultimate goal. God says, will you love me? How are you going to do this, God? I mean, listen, we came up to 50,000 feet, and we don't get to do that very often. And we looked down on this thing called life. We looked at the puzzle from your perspective. And we thought we would find mean God or permissive God. Can't see you doing that. Or hateful God or... Confuse God. Should I let those people starve? Hmm, that'd be kind of fun. We look at this puzzle. And we say, are you kidding me? This is what this is all about from your perspective. Is that we trust you. From that, God knows that you will be empowered, that you will feel and be free, that your life will be more at peace, that your life will have impact. We focus on each one. Life's going to have impact. So that's why you have people that pray and read the Bible and don't do anything for God. And you have people that do all this stuff. They don't spend any time with God. They don't get it. The guys looking down saying, all this stuff are pieces of the puzzle of you trusting me, God says. Let's pray.